0: Welcome back to the Unashamed Truth Podcast, where we aim to help you understand and embrace God-centered theology. Sometimes grace is difficult to understand because we want to believe we have actually contributed something to our salvation. However, the Protestant Reformers come along and point to what Scripture says, that salvation is by grace alone. That is, all that we contribute to our salvation is our sin. And the saving from sin comes from Christ through grace alone. Grace is one of the most rich and glorious doctrines of Scripture. Let's listen to Grant in this expanded episode of Unashamed Truth as he opens the Word of God for us.
1: If you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 to 9 and be thinking about that word grace as you read this passage. And we're going to go through bits and pieces of this throughout the evening together. But let's just get this passage in our minds and be thinking about what the New Testament defines as grace. Ephesians chapter 2. so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards, toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. When I began studying the solos, this is, you know, I don't know, 15 years ago. When when I was in college, when I began, might even be longer now, but anyway, but uh, when I began studying the solas, sola gratia was the one that got me. In other words, it was the sola that I thought I understood, but then when I began studying it, I realized that I hadn't really understood it at all, and when I understood sola gratia, it, it was like I saw the world differently. It was like I had new lenses. It, it, the Bible began to, to, to come alive in, in living color. It, it was a real transformation for me to understand sola gratia the way that the reformers understood it. And in the same vein, out of all of the solas, this is the most controversial. You know, I think you go, you go down the line, people say sola fide. I think most evangelicals would say, yeah, sola fide, faith alone. Solus Christus, of course, Christ alone. No, no works of the law. Uh, sola Scriptura, yes, we're people of the Bible. Sola Deo Gloria, yes, all to the glory of God. We're right there with you. Sola Gratia, when it's explained, we want to say, wait, hold up. Is this true? Is, is it really sola gratia? And you say, well, what's controversial about grace? Well, grace isn't really controversial. It's the grace alone part that's controversial. And it's the, the, it's the sola that makes this controversial because what man wants to do is man always wants to contribute something to salvation. That's just our nature. We, Yes, I'm not going to argue with the fact that God does his part. Nobody has argued that. Nobody's argued that. But we want to claim something. Yes, but the real reason why I'm walking the streets of gold is because I did this. And sola gratia, the way that the Reformers described it, was not just the offer of the cross, but the ability to receive it. You understand that? When I was a kid, when I was a kid, the way that I understood salvation and this is just my experience, and, and this in many ways is all of our experience because we don't understand the grace that's working in our lives in the background. But experientially, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. He paid that price in full, and that is offered, correct, to all who believe. And, and I said, well, I believe I'm doing that part So therefore, I should receive the the grace that's given me. And in a real sense, we all have a responsibility to believe. Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, there's an obedience of faith. We we, We are to command people to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But what the Reformers said is that even the ability to believe. Faith itself is of grace. So, it's not just the offer of the cross that is gratuitous. It's also the ability to receive it. Does that make sense? So, there was a a big controversy in the 1520s. Do you all remember the gentleman that we talked about named Erasmus. Erasmus was a Dutch scholar, brilliant mind. He was the one that published the New Testament into the Greek language, towering academic figure. And he wrote a diatribe. He got frustrated with Luther. He got frustrated with the Reformation, and he wrote a diatribe. And basically, the diatribe was... A defense of free will he said i 'm concerned with what the reformers are teaching because the reformers seem to be saying that really salvation even the, the this is the touch point, the ability to receive Christ is of grace, and Erasmus said that 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 it it, it has to be God does his part, and we do our part and Luther wrote really a vault. I mean, everything Luther did was epic. I mean, he was just an epic individual. You know, you, you meet those people, you know, some people are just even killed, You know, you can do anything with them. You can go on trips with them. Luther is just, he's in the valley, but then he's, he's, he's on the mountaintop. He's exploding, and Luther just took Erasmus to the woodshed in this book called The Bondage of the Will and and Luther said this look uh, the will is really not free the the human will in its natural state is in bondage to sin and the flesh and the devil let me read you a quote from Luther listen he says the ungodly, he's talking about when the gospel is pronounced, he said, the ungodly does not come even when he hears the word, even when he hears the gospel, unless the Father draws and teaches him inwardly, which he does by pouring out the Spirit. So he says, man in his natural state will not respond to the truth of the gospel unless God draws him inwardly now think about luther think about luther's we've talked about luther i know it's been several months now but you remember he came into a monastery you remember he was riding his horse there was a storm and he cried out to saint anne of all people in the middle of the storm and he said if you save me i'll become a monk and he entered an Augustinian monastery. Now, an Augustinian monastery uh, is in the tradition of who augustine saint augustine aurelius augustine Augustine stay with me here this 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 is really fascinating, at least for me uh, augustine augustine is one of those towering figures in church history he he lived in the latter part of the fourth century and then the beginning of the fifth, fifth century. He witnessed the fall of Rome, but really uh, the theology of the church, the theology of who we are today many of many scholars have said we're a, it's essentially we 're a footnote to augustine we 're all just teaching what augustine taught regarding Scripture, salvation. Uh, all the theologians that have, that have come after Augustine have, have really followed in his steps because, lo- because Augustine understood the New Testament teaching of the church, salvation. He's just a, a giant in the history of the church. So if you go back in time to Augustine's life, and, and Augustine lived in North Africa, but he wrote in Latin. You remember, in the Roman Empire, Latin was the the language of the day, so he was read by really everybody uh, in the Roman world, the Latin-speaking world, and of course, North Africa. Uh, Hippo was where he was, was part of the, the the Roman Empire. There was a controversy in Augustine's day in which Augustine played the pivotal role in, and the controversy was called the Pelagian Controversy. And it was called the Pelagian Controversy because there it involved a British monk named Pelagius. So Pelagius was in a monastery somewhere in... England, and when he became older, he came to Rome. And essentially, Pelagius had worked out a theology while he was working in England. And let me just give you the three points of his theology. The first point is that man, on his own, can attain perfection. So, Pelagius taught that it is a possibility for you to live a perfect life. You can do it. You can do it. In fact, some people have. Some people have. There's been perfect people. You, You might not have seen them, you probably haven't encountered them in your family or your friend group, but they exist. There are perfect people out there. That was his first point. Second, there is no original sin. And we're going to talk about this more in a minute. But what what he meant by that is is there's really no consequence for Adam's sin that you have to deal with. There's no consequence. When you are born, you start with a blank slate. Your judgment is based on your actions and your actions alone. You don't have to worry about the imputation of Adam's sin, condemnation, anything. You You can do it and you have the blank slate, you're, you're not judged for anybody else's sin. And then third, man is not in need of inward grace in order to obey God. Grace is not needed to obey. So, he essentially said this. He said, look, if God gives us commands then God must have the expectation for us to be able to fulfill those commands, to, to carry out those commands. He just used that natural logic in forming his theological persuasion. So this gentleman comes to Rome, and in Rome, he sees decadence everywhere. He sees licentiousness everywhere, sexuality everywhere, drunkenness all sorts of debauchery. And Pelagius basically starts a moral reform movement. And when you listen to self-help gurus, you know, the Stoics and all these guys, you know, it sounds pretty good. You know, all you got to do is just discipline yourself. Just get up a little earlier. Work out a little harder. You know, just love people more. Just be a better person. Come on, man. What's wrong with you? you? Do it. That was Pelagius. He just went around, you can do this. This is what God says. You do it. And and he gained a big following, and, and people enjoyed his teaching. He was an energetic teacher and all these things. And one day he heard somebody praying a prayer. And they were praying a prayer that Augustine had taught people. And the prayer went like this. Command what you will and grant what you command. In other words, this is what is being said. God, you command me to do something. You com- you give me the commands. And then, Lord, grant me the capacity and the strength and the ability to carry it through. Now, obviously, this goes directly against what Pelagius taught, doesn't it? Grace is not needed to obey. Third point. And he's Pelagius hears this. I mean, it's you know, just one of those things. You know, he probably has an apoplectic fit. What? You're saying God commands me to do something, but then I need grace in order to carry it out? What type of prayer is that? That's just an excuse to live however you want, is essentially what Pelagius said. So Pelagius goes on this campaign. He gets upset. He says, what Augustine is teaching, that is bosh, that you need grace in order to obey the living God when he's given us these commands, that's ridiculous, and that's the controversy. And so Augustine, really Augustine was not a controversialist, but Augustine responded, and he responded just in wonderful ways, really doing expositions of Romans, Galatians, Corinthians, all sorts of interaction with with the biblical text, and, and just like Luther took Erasmus to the woodshed, Augustine took Pelagius to the woodshed. And this is what Augustine said, and these are Augustine's points. So, erasing Pelagius here. So, Augustine said, one, original sin exists as original sin. Therefore, man's default state man's default state is rebellion against God. And then third, therefore, Grace is needed to enable man to respond properly to God. So in order for man to therefore respond, grace is a necessity.
0: Grace is needed. Even the ability to receive Christ is by grace. There's no your part and then God's part regarding salvation. No, God does it all. And that's exactly what we need because we are helpless in our sin to bring anything to our salvation that would be acceptable before God. Christ has done it all, and that's grace. Thank you for joining us today for the Unashamed Truth podcast with Grant Castleberry. Grant is the senior pastor of Capital Community Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Find out more about Unashamed Truth by visiting our website, unashamedtruth.org. We are seeking to expand this ministry to radio markets and media platforms that will make the truth of God-centered Christianity even more accessible. If you have benefited from this broadcast, would you prayerfully consider giving to support the advance of the message? In order to give, please visit our website, unashamedtruth.org. Don't forget to subscribe to Unashamed Truth so that you will never miss a podcast episode. Until next time, it is our prayer that you continue in your journey to understand and embrace God-centered theology.